So what's your podcast about? Superheroes. It's a little geeky, but I think you guys are going to like it. Try not to be too geeky. No, I can't promise that. Should we begin? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. And now, your hosts, Kelsey Dickerson, Brad Fay, Kate Fay, and Noah Berlin. Listen to me now. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Geek and You Shall Find, the podcast powered by superhero faces. Like we mentioned in last episode, I don't want to say last week's episode because we are doubling up on content this week. You lucky dogs, you. Um, We just finished up with House of the Dragon episode two. And of course, we want to keep it in the sci-fi realm because we just can't get enough of it. It's Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, episode one and two that you guys are getting today from Amazon Prime. We're so excited. So episode one is titled A Shadow of the Past and episode two is called Adrift. I personally am so excited about this. I love Lord of the Rings. I know there's a huge fandom out there. Um, So we're super excited to get into this. But first and foremost, we want to make sure that we let you guys know Spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't watched it yet, it just barely came out. So make sure uh, you guys pause um, once we start setting the stage. Follow along for nerdy news and the game, I guess. I mean, the game is not going to have any spoilers, I don't think. Who knows? But don't say we didn't warn you with spoilers. But first and foremost, if you don't follow along with Geeking Shall Find, I'm Kelsey Dickerson, your host. We have Brad G. Fay, who's going to give us some director's notes later, as well as Noah Berlin, who is, of course, the master of helping us with games and letting us have a lot of fun on this podcast because um, it always goes into lots of calamity, I guess, of, we're, of us trying to see who's the actual real winner. We all think we're winners, but we're really not when it comes to the point system. And of course, Kate, the true winner of this podcast and every podcast in every every realm, including her elven past. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you follow us at Superhero Faces on Facebook, Twitter, Superhero underscore Faces on Instagram. And now you don't want to hear me talk anymore. So let's get right into nerdy news with Noah Berlin. Take it away. All right. Thank you very much, Kelsey. So first off, there is a shakeup in the House of the Dragon. So in a surprise announcement, uh, co-showrunner Miguel Sapochnik, who we talked about, everybody knows Miguel Sapochnik, talked about him in episode one of our House of the Dragon episode, but he is leaving the show after the first season. Sources say he's exiting the show after pouring an exhausting three years of effort into the Game of Thrones prequel. So now co-creator Ryan Condal will now serve as the the uh, show's sole showrunner, And they are adding another Game of Thrones veteran, Alan Taylor, who'll be joining season two of House of the Dragon as an executive producer, as well as directing a few episodes. Keeping with House of the Dragon, there is some crazy rumors going out. I just read this today that it looks like Elizabeth Olsen, who is best known for playing Scarlet Witch in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is being eyed to join the series in season two. So I'm thinking maybe she could play another Red Witch, another Red Woman, maybe a younger Melisandre, maybe a descendant of Melisandre. That'd be pretty crazy. Um, But no matter what it is, I'm excited uh, if Elizabeth Olsen joins the cast. You just want to see her old titties once she she walks into the drift, drifts away and goes into dust. Oh, man, you are on one tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of, uh, everyone is talking about it on, uh, on the internet, on the Twitters. (laughs) <laughs> the post credit scene of the most recent episode of She-Hulk 
So Megan the Stallion, the famous rapper, it was in this episode. She made a cameo. And in the post-credit scene, it featured Megan the Stallion and a CGI'd She-Hulk twerking together uh, in her office. So I'm just wondering, did you guys see this? What are your thoughts? Do you love it? Do you think it's funny? Do you hate it? Is it sacrilege? Well, where, where do you land on this? It's not sacrilege. People need to chill out. There's way more serious stuff that goes on in the Marvel. I mean, you could argue it's cringe and wasn't done well, but like the people out are like, this is inappropriate to be on Disney. I'm like, yo, do you know like the stuff that goes like, Deadpool is on Disney. People weren't freaking out. Like, you could take a woman in a suit twerking. Like, mm. that should be People like, Tony Stark didn't get kidnapped by terrorists just for She Hulk to be twerking with <laughs> Megan <laughs> Stallion. All right. Be free. That's all. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cringy, in my opinion. I love Megan the Stallion. I love everything about her. She doesn't need to be on She Hulk twerking. Yeah. I mean, Let me just say, I was, I was so working. excited. I was so excited when I heard that she was going to be a part of it because they really kept it tight knit until like very last minute, which now we know why. Um, I was so excited to see that she was going to be in. I obviously, as you guys know, if you listen, if you guys are uh, loyal listeners, as we know you all are because you guys subscribe and you guys like and you comment. Um, But I was so excited because like you said, Kate, I love Megan Thee Stallion too, but that shit was so unnecessary and also like I saw a funny tweet I think I told you guys about this but I saw a funny tweet that was like I feel so bad for the person that missed out on time with her family because they had to sit around and CGI a fake she-hulks fucking twerking (laughs) instead of being at home like or like instead of them paying an actual good um a good makeup artist or whatever to be able to do it I think also we've talked about this I just every time I see a thing from CGI it does or from she-hulk the CGI is just as weird to me it doesn't make sense that they change what she looks like and then also it doesn't eat, like, I don't know. It just, every time I see a scene from there, it just makes me not want to watch it. So. All right. So moving on, uh, Rings of Power. That's what this episode is about today. And if you all have not heard, the Rings of Power has the most, the biggest budget. It is the most expensive TV series ever made. So the budget for season one clocks in at about $715 million. It's a gargantuan budget equivalent to about, 5.1 million Amazon Prime subscriptions, which costs $139 a year. <laughs> this figure, and that's absurd, obviously. Well, this figure is on top of the $250 million that Amazon spent just to get the rights to the Lord of the Rings franchise. So again- That's on top? That is on top wow. of $250 million for the rights, correct. So that's like a billion dollars. It is a billion dollars. That's ridiculous. So, and that's just for season wow. And that is just for season one. So unbelievable. But aside from having a lot of money, Lord of the Rings is also known for having some really funny and interesting and sometimes cringy names of characters. So I want to play a game with you guys. I have four names. Some of them are real from the books from J.R.R. Tolkien. And some of them were made up by me. So we're going to go one by one. And then I'd like you to tell me what is real and what I made up. Y'all ready? J-R-R Noah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> N-R-R. No, that doesn't work. Okay. First one. First one, Radagast. Radagast. Is that real or did I make it up? R-A-D or R-A-T? R-A-D. Does it make a difference? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like one of those spelling bee kids that clearly doesn't know how to spell. And it's like, is it an adverb? 
<laughs> All right, Radagast, real or fake? Real. I also think real. I'm going to say also. fake. I'm going to say that's uh, J.R. Noah. Uh, that is incorrect. It is, in fact, real. Radagast the Brown was the wizard that showed up in the Hobbit movies that was covered in bird shit. So yeah. if you remember bird shit, you remember Radagast the Brown. There you go. I didn't watch the Hobbit movies, guys. Dang. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, next one. Geowyn. Geowyn. G-H-E-O-W-Y-N. Is that made up by me or is that real? I knew the first one. This one I'm guessing on. Um, Upside down. Fake. Sounds too, cool. it sounds too real to be real, so it's fake. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm going to go real. Okay. I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with St. Caterade. Real. Oh, that is a Noah R.R. R. Martin. Oh, no. Excuse me. Noah R.R. R. Tolkien exclusive. So, Brad, you get the point there. Two for next two. one. We can't Tele let Brad win, Kate. We can't no. do it. The next one. Teleporno. <laughs> Teleporno. Come on. That's fake. <laughs> That has to be fake. <laughs> Wait, it's real. I'm. I bet. I bet that just came up on your like on your ads, your paid ads for your say, private browser. I almost um, want to say real because there's no way you made right? a fake one. So what do you got, Brad? You're the first guesser. Shit. Spell it. T e l e p o r n o. I'm gonna Tell say real. I'm gonna say real because you would not make that one up. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't think you would make it up either, but like. You double switch it could it's be got, like i know but i'm trying to psychology this um <laughs> i think it's i think it's no that sounds like it sounds like a mario fucking <laughs> teleporno. Teleporno, let me put my flag in your pole real or fake kelsey uh real okay teleporno is real what? It is, yes it is another name for the character celeborn who is Galadriel's husband and consort. Yeah, real. Wow. I cannot have made up teleporno. And last one, Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. Is that real or fake, Brad? That one's real. Tom. Okay. Fake. Kelsey. I want to say no one would be named Tom, but I'm going to do what Kate did and do the double psychology thing where... <laughs> I'm going to probably be one for four, but I'm going to say real. It is indeed real. So Brad sweeps that four for four. So Brad is the winner of Dang. our our Tolkien name contest. Good for you, Brad. Yeah, that's how he talks to the animals. He does talk to the animals. Yeah. I knew two of those I had a guess on. Two of those I knew. There you go. Walk and talk and talk with the animals. All right, you guys. Well, thank you. So Brad, you clearly were the MVP of that. But before we get into the MVP, Noah, we were talking about this a lot before this podcast. We're all a little confused. I think there's some reasons for that. Obviously very excited about this. There's some things that we can recognize. There's a lot of things that we don't, even for the people who have watched, who love Lord of the Rings. Um, can you set the stage for us a little bit about where Rings of Power is when it comes to Lord of the Rings universe? Definitely, I'd be happy to. So episode one of Rings of Power opens with a prologue. It's similar to the one narrated by the Lady Galadriel to open the first Lord of the Rings film, which is the Fellowship of the Ring. There, Galadriel tells us of a last alliance of men and elves who marched against the armies of Mordor. As we all know, the son of the king, Isildur, 
cut the one ring from Sauron's hand, beginning Middle-earth's third age and kicking off the events of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. So the Ring of Power is obviously a prequel, but it's actually a prequel by thousands of years, very far in the past. The Amazon series opens up during Middle-earth's second age, following the end of the War of Wrath and the defeat of Morgoth, who was Sauron's boss, basically. Sauron was his number one lieutenant. So as the name suggests, Rings of Power is the story, the story leading up to the creation of the Rings of Power and Sauron's one ring to rule them all. Now, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings films are obviously based on J.R.R. Tolkien's novels of the same name, but fans were expecting this series to be based on Tolkien's other major work called the Silmar Silmarillion. Uh, so personally, I, I was finding it a little confusing when I started watching it because it seemed like there's some of the exposition there seemed a little vague. Uh, plot points seemed a little glossed over and some details be left out. And so I did some research of why that is. And it turns out it's because Amazon doesn't actually have the rights to the Silmarillion. Hmm. So the series is based on the appendices at the end of Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. And although the stories do overlap, if there's anything that's mentioned in the Silmarillion, but not mentioned in the appendices of Lord of the Rings, that is off limits and cannot be talked about or shown in this series. It all has to do with the rights from the Tolkien estate and J.R.R. Tolkien himself. Anyway, the showrunners have a five-season plan for this series, and Amazon only has the rights to tell these stories for a finite amount of episodes. That means we're going to get a beginning, a middle, and an end to the Rings of Power storyline, which, in my opinion, is very good news. Wow, that's all. That's a lot of interesting stuff to unpack. So when you mentioned before of them buying the rights, it's buying the rights to the appendices in Lord of the Rings? Correct. This, the Tolkien estate has not sold the rights to the Silmarillion to anybody and probably mm -hmm. won't. And so it's pretty interesting how it works, where if there are characters or plot points that are mentioned in the Silmarillion and also mentioned in the appendices, then it's fair game. But if there's anything that is in the Silmarillion that doesn't make an appearance or is not talked about at all in these appendices or in the Lord of the Rings books, then it's off limits and they cannot use it or wow. talk about it at all. I can't even imagine the amount of research that goes in. So obviously, I mean, we mentioned this at the beginning, like there is such a huge, huge world and universe when it comes to Lord of the Rings. J.R.R. Tolkien absolutely <laughs> went ham when it comes to like, you know, making things up and having all these different lands and people and, and creatures and, and even languages. Yep. So to be able to have to cross-reference with like, okay, is this in the appendices or is this not? And like, then to be able to make a storyline that fits and that actually makes sense. And that still is telling the story in, um, in a way that, you know, pays ode to this great work. That is just really crazy to me. It is really crazy. And, and I did a lot of, a lot of research because admittedly i'm not an expert on this stuff on these books on the silmarillion lord of the rings all that stuff as much as I, I do love it uh so i was doing some research about who exactly this morgoth was the big bad the most evil uh, being in, in the universe and <laughs> this whole article i read it was like yeah morgoth's name before was something else and he was named morgoth by this one character which is in this one language but actually he named him in a different language and it's a translation to this language and it's like god damn <laughs> uh, jr tolkien is a wild man but yeah it's, <laughs> nuts and it's super expansive 
Well, thank you for taking us through that. Is it picked up for more than one season? Like, you know, you mentioned like, oh, the plan is five seasons, but does that mean it's already like greenlit and being done for five seasons? It, like, is not, it is not greenlit. It's just that's all they have rights for. So it's basically a max of five seasons. If this season tanks for, for whatever right. reason or, or you know, they just decide it's too expensive, then it could get cut off, uh, you know, after season two or whatever but it is a max of five seasons. Okay, gotcha. So it's not like Endor, like start, they've already greenlit for multiple seasons and are like, yo, we're already doing multiple seasons, like regardless, it's already like budgeted and everything. Okay, cool. That's interesting. I don't know. So y'all better get your Amazon Prime subscriptions renewed if you want to keep this storyline going. Couldn't live without it. Don't be like me and definitely have your own subscription and not someone else's. Wow, that's that's actually really incredible. And it it just really goes to show too. Um, obviously we talk about Game of Thrones um when we're talking about House of the Dragons, and we all are a huge fan. I mean, I geek and I know things. And that was something that a lot of people had trouble with with season seven and eight. Was it, you know, we had like some plot points and stuff, but it wasn't truly what we thought George R. R. Martin maybe had in mind, or the the books weren't finished. So Hopefully they'll be able to do this in a way that not only helps the casual fans like you, like all of us here, like, you know, we like Lord of the Rings and we like that universe, but also the people who really know their stuff that are writing articles about Morgoth's name and how it came to be. So I'm excited and uh, we're going to get right on into it because I think like you guys, um, I really liked the first two episodes. I'm very excited about it. Hopefully um, people who are listening, if you haven't watched it yet, this episode inspires you to. And like I, like I mentioned, there will be some spoilers. So without that, it's no spoiler. Like we mentioned that Brad, unfortunately was the MVP of the game today. So he can't, we can't say that he got a big old goose egg before or that we can even contest it like we have in games past. But um, Brad, obviously, so for me, there was a lot of MVPs uh, throughout episode one and two. But th- was there anyone particularly or anything that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of MVP candidates for sure. Um, you guys touched on kind of, you know, we just discussed like dependencies and token and you know, I think I always want to make sure to give a shout out to the fact that all this work is being adapted from one mind for the most part that came up with such as rich mythology that now allows authors decades later to say, okay, let's pull from appendices of a book and make that into a five season show. Like, obviously, I mean, it's not like anyone takes Tolkien for granted as it is in terms of being a storyteller, but hopefully this is just another reminder. We talked about the Summerillion, like, how much of a fleshed out world this is that Tolkien created and that content creators for decades that come aren't going to be at a shortage in terms of ideas to pull from. But I also did want to give a shout out to the writers of this show too, because like we talked about, these are from appendices. This isn't like Game of Thrones where the writers of the show had a, you know, a vast, you know, universe of great writing to already pull from and kind of take George R. R. Martin's great lines and kind of just throw them into the show and McTyrion looked like a genius. These writers had to come up with a lot of the great dialogue that we heard throughout the show. So I think, you know, it's just a, it seems already two episodes and kind of match made in heaven of taking this rich mythology of work, but having writers that know how to fill in the lines and kind of have good dialogue in between these characters. And George R. R. Martin is still alive, like J.R. Tolkien, like, you know, you don't even have that person to be like, wait, like, I don't know, like about this or whatever, like, so you don't even have that resource either. Yeah, but neither of them are writing books now. One's dead. One's- <laughs> <laughs> Noah! <laughs> <laughs> Every episode. 
Gotta mention it. Oh, it's just like a viper, like waiting in the wings to be like, what am I going to get this in here? Uh, but I, I did want to say too, you know, speaking of the dialogue, I know we talked a little bit about there were just so many great lines in this episode. And I know we usually, you know, make sure to highlight specific lines, but there were just so many in this episode. I felt like it was gonna be too tough. So I did want to mention, you know, one that I really loved is the past is with us all, whether we liked it or not. I just thought that one kind of comes in early on too. And you just know you're gonna get like Game of Thrones just drops knowledge. Like you you want to pay attention to it, not miss anything because. There's all these little hints at things that apply to our current times that are applying to this medieval world. And I think that's already been established that we're going to have a lot of that too, where you're looking for little bits of wisdom and things that you can apply to your day-to-day life. So I thought that line right from the jump made it apparent, like, okay, this may be a fictional universe that takes place who knows when and who knows where, but we could still relate to it ourselves. Yeah, of course. Like there's, I think this was just full of lines and full of things that like we can definitely relate, but that's like the power of pop culture. And that's exactly what Geeking Shall Find is all about. You know, looking to pop culture to not only be entertained and have these stories, but to also learn about ourselves, you know, as humans and being able to relate to others and grow empathy and things like that. Um, But I actually had a lot of MVPs too, like just kind of just, there was just a shit ton. Um, But before I mention mine, Kate, we haven't heard from you in quite a bit. Did you have any MVPs that stood out to you? Yeah. So my MVP was actually not a person, but kind of like Brad said, uh, mine was the cinematography of Mm. the show. Like everything is just gorgeously shot. All the settings are just beautiful, breathtaking. Um, Just everything, the way they shot it was really, really cool to watch. And I really enjoyed that, Um, which makes sense. You know, if you're spending a billion dollars like it should be good so I'm glad I'm glad that it held up so I'm very glad about that that was my MVP um but just some characters that I really liked and I'm interested to see more of them Galadriel obviously she's like the main main girl um she's on a mission girlfriend is on a mission so (laughs) I kind of like watching that um Elrond just seems like a really nice dude uh he just seems really genuine and he's got a lot of friends He's anti-racist. He wants to work with all the different races. I love that. Um, And then Eleanor Nori Brandyfoot. Um, I just like how she's, you know, everybody's an adult in this and she's the kind of one of the kids. Um, And she just seems really kind. And I like how she's very curious about the world um, when the um, hardfoot people or hard hard feet. I'm not sure the plural, but (laughs) her people are mainly just want to like stick to themselves and kind of be in their own little world, not interact with everybody. And she seems just very curious to find out more. So I'm excited to keep watching those characters. For sure. I had another character as well. I liked Bronwyn, which was the human female who, um, she just seems real smart. She was with, um, our boy, the elf. Uh, what was his name again? Aron, Aradin, or our Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Deer, Aaron, Aaron Deer. So Bronwyn was there, but she—I mean, she's the only human that seems smart. Yeah. All the people, like the pub or that tavern or whatever the hell that was, they just seemed very—I don't know. Haggard. And she surprised me too because I didn't expect her to be like a fighter, but she oh, yeah. really brought it with that orc. So that's oh, yeah. so like not only is she smart, but she's a fighter. She's like 
when uh, Aaron Deer was like, I'm going to go investigate this town and see what's going on here. She's like, all right, I'm coming with you. So she's adventurous. Uh, I think there's a lot of dimensions to that character. So I'm, exci I'm excited to see where, where that goes. But my um, uh, the VFX team, as you said, Kate, definitely an MVP. The Scenics were stunning. And I think you could kind of see um, how the budgets are so much bigger than even House of Dragon that also has a huge budget. Because when you just look at like the scenics and the background shots of the mm -hmm. cities and stuff that are obviously all CGI, I think uh, this show does a much better job than that one at some of those elements. But my main MVP is, is Jeff Bezos. <laughs> look at this, man. A billion dollars for this? A billion dollars. This guy is so stupid rich. He came back from space just to, to, to watch this show. Uh, <laughs> really unbelievable. And, um, you know, Jeff, if you're watching this, you know, help, help your boy out and uh, at least give me a free Prime subscription. I don't know. I don't know if I would ever uh, agree with you of Jeff Bezos being an MVP in any right, but I agree with you on this. And too, what is so clutch, I like was nerding out with you guys about this and I wish a lot more. Uh, so if any other streaming services are listening to this, I love how Amazon Prime, you can just hit the up button and you see not only the character's name, but also who plays it and their little picture, which is so amazing, especially in a universe like this where you don't know what the hell is going on. There's so many names. Like we know who we're talking about, but we don't know really who we're talking about. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I would agree. And two, um, I was going to make that point as well as if you're going to be spending this amount of money, I better feel like I'm in middle earth and you do. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, there's there's so many amazing things about this. But of course, we want to see: is there any LVPs? Like I was in today's game, uh, Brad. Who was who or what were some LVPs for you? Um, probably gonna get a lot of hate for this, but yo, know, the I, the actress is great. It's a cool character, but Galadriel, ooh, yo, like. What? She's got to stop making her problems other people's problems. Like, everyone's trying to live their lives, man. And she's just like a buzzkill, bringing everyone down. Like, But she ends up being right. Uh, yeah, but she didn't know. She didn't have, like, good evidence to base that on. She just, like, is, she's a busybody. She's, like, the person who stays in the office late. And now everyone else got to stay late because, like, this person will got nothing else to do with their life. Like, no, Dude. like I'm, I'm sorry what happened with your brother and all, but now like you got to leave other elves. If other elves want to go on and do their thing and live their lives, like let it be, man. Stop like constantly like bringing everyone down. Bro, that is such a hot take and such a bad take. <laughs> this, this she is over here. Get, she's the only one that's right. She's getting gaslit by everyone, mm -hmm. dude. Her mm -hmm. own company's like, yeah, we're not, we're done. We're not going. Everyone's just like. Eh, we're bored of this of searching for the, the guy that's obviously going to come back and kill everybody. Mm -hmm. like, they know they have evidence. She has the symbol, yeah. she has mm -hmm. the mark, all this. And everyone's like, nah, we're good. Even though they they know the orcs are coming. They they know all this stuff. And they're just like, yeah, let us, we're fine. We'd rather just chill. Dude, not at all. Do that. She can go out. She can go out and fight evil if she wants to. It'd be not like by herself. Batman don't force everyone else to go fight crime with him. Batman just goes and fights crime. He's not like, you have a duty and you're going to come out with me and you can never live your life. Like, Batman just goes out and does it. I am so surprised by this take by you, especially because of everything that we talk about of like, if you know what's right, you should do it. Like, and like, she's right. And she's like, to know it's point, she's being gaslit. And the second that all those elves stop doing it is when all this shit happens. And like all the darkness is starting to come back. Like, and they, they have the evidence, like 
How can you? She got to go out and do that. Like, I agree that we have a moral responsibility to do things for other people, but you can't like nag them into doing it. If, if the Harfoot girl wants to go out and explore the world, that's cool. But she can't be like, everyone in this village now needs to go out and explore the world because I want to. Like, go. So she for you. <laughs> like, yo, the think... dude, dude is like entering <laughs> heaven. And she's like, come on, we got to go back. Dude's like, yo, let me have this moment right now. I'm about to go to like elf heaven right now. And she's like trying to ruin that moment for people. Like, just I wholeheartedly disagree with you. I, we all I disagree. It's be a popular opinion, but it was just how, like, I mean, it's also, a cool ass character. She's a badass. She's kicking out. Like, don't get me wrong. She's cool. And I want to continue watching her. But it was just something where I was like, Yo, she's definitely the person that like kind of bugs other people to do what she wants to do instead of just like letting them kind of do their own thing. I think I would agree with you if it wasn't kind of established that the elves are almost like the protectors of all these realms that they're supposed to be the ones that to stamp out and like take keep an eye out for shady shit happening with Sauron or anything like that. So that's her duty. And I mean, an LVP for me, speaking of this, is going to be the elf king because I feel like he knows but he's just kind of like trying to do what's like most popular or maybe to your point, maybe he's like you and he's like, yo, this girl is a like a thorn in my side. Get the, oh, yeah, I'm here to elf heaven, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, which I thought actually when I saw the comments, I thought those were like all the elves like being like shot in his face and like elf heaven wasn't a real thing. So like at first before like the naked comic guy came out. So that was a clearly a great prediction for me. Oh my God, that's funny. Um, okay, but before I give my LVP, Noah, obviously we all very disagree with Brad, which that's what the beauty of, that's the beauty of like, you know, art and stuff like that. We can all have different perspectives, even if they're wrong. Yeah, which you are. But <laughs> my LVP pick is not wrong. Uh, my LVP was Theo, who was the kid with the stupid haircut. Yeah. There's more to it than that, but he does have a very <laughs> stupid haircut and I hate it. Um, he's, number one, he's racist doesn't like that his mom talks to the elf right mm -hmm. racist kid not good and like I, I mentioned did i mention stupid haircut because he has a very stupid haircut and yeah. then he's hiding a, somehow he has a blade that has sauron's mark on it like it's obviously a very evil thing I, i'm i'm very curious to see where he got this uh why he's hiding it um no someone else someone else it was it, they, he stumbled upon it in someone else's farm Oh, I thought, I thought he or hit barn. it. He yeah, did. It so like, remember, so they go into this barn and yeah. then he's like, oh, like I just happened to like hit on, like step on the right thing. And then they see all this treasure trove stuff of like, I don't know whose barn it is, but yeah. I think that's a throwback to like being like, this is why the elves are here because these people used to, you know, really be a, a like part of like Margot or Margoth's like, you know, like people, like, you know, like supporters. Oh. They were so yeah so he stumbled upon it found it but yeah there's something there's going to be something with that sword I think you're right because it seems like it's like obviously it's growing and that thing that cut him the blood was coming out and starting to make it the sword whole so there's a lot of shit that's going to be going on yeah that was creepy I gotta look up this kid's haircut I do not remember being yeah, terrible. I don't know like, it didn't jump out at me like what he looked like one of the lost boys from like Neverland oh no, Noah just alienated like all of the bowl Dutch cut nation. Like a little, it was like a bowl cut with bangs kind of thing. <laughs> it's almost like a friar's haircut. <laughs> like it reminds me of like Friar John from Robin Hood. Oh, Friar Tuck. Friar Tuck. 
Fire talk, sorry. Little John. It's little John, not that. A bowl cut. Little John. But okay, whatever. You know what, you guys? Oh um, no, Kate, you were nodding your head in agreement. Was Theo also your LVP? Um, he was, but I did have something else that disappointed me more. And I don't know if this is because I have a really high bar for intro scenes, um, mm. not scenes, but the intro um, like credits. I have a really high bar because HBO with Game of Thrones, Succession, Peacemaker, like all these intro credits are just amazing. And I always look forward to them. And I know like after the first episode of Game of Thrones, everybody was, where's the intro? What's it going to be? You know, it was a huge point of contention that people were <laughs> really excited to see. This one was just really lackluster for me. Um, it was some sand on a black screen. And Would you prefer if uh, like Elrond and Galadriel were doing some sort of dance to like a heavy metal song? <laughs> Absolutely, yes, yes. I would, I would up my Amazon subscription if that happened. I'd pay more. You heard it here um, first, Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just for the for the amount that they're putting into this show, which maybe they put it all into the episode and then we're like oh we don't have anything left over for the intro <laughs> which okay uh but I just expected maybe something a little more yeah I will say when I was watching it it was interesting because it seems like you know how sound patterns are and then like you know they can like you can do all these different things with sound patterns um and then obviously like the black sand comes in it's like infiltrating like the good sand I guess I don't know but yeah I agree like I kind of wish they had done something similar to Game of Thrones where it has some kind of meaning but um who knows because maybe they just didn't have anything to go off but going back to uh Noah's LVP Theo is clearly Aaron Deer's son because Rawin has been doing some stuff with the elf, even though they can't even touch each other or tell each other how they feel. But it's so funny and ironic that he hates elves because, bro, you're half elf. You are oh, half elf. And you're clearly not white. That's a really good, I think you're right. It's really good. I did not think of that at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, really clearly, like, he's a different race. That. Yeah, like, I mean, clearly, like, it looks like he's a different race than his mom. Like, they reference, like, oh, you don't know where your dad went. Like, there's all this, like, you know, tension between the elf and Rowan, you know. So I think it's the son, which I think will be really interesting, especially if we see that maybe he grows in the evil powers. Um, obviously, he fought the orc and he helped save his mom. But I think there's something there because he has a sword. And we saw how powerful the evil is in things and items like this with the ring and with all these things. So I think the sword is really going to play a huge part. And he had that weird, like I mentioned, that weird blood stuff coming out. Well, it's like the sword was like, once the blood, the blood, like the sword was like calling his blood to it. And mm -hmm. when it played with the blood, that's when it started growing. Yeah. It's like this, the, the venom symbiote kind of, like maybe, it, maybe mm -hmm. it's the, he's attracted to the sword because he has so much anger in him or like something along those lines that kind of like mm -hmm. there's like a relationship between the two maybe or like you know how they talk about um like with cults and things like that or with like you know these really far um like alt groups or whatever it's usually people that are very outcast and don't know their place yeah Maybe it's kind of like a callback yeah. to that. But uh, I, I didn't want to tell you guys my true LVP before this because I wanted to see your reactions. 
But my LVP, just because it was so gross and I feel so bad, is the black stuff that came out of the cow when he's like milking <laughs> it and like all this stuff came out. So gross. That's yeah, that was disgusting. That she's like, they're like, what the hell is that? And he's like, oh yeah, the cow uh, wandered to the east. And he's like, how far east? Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, where the hell could have gone? <laughs> oh yeah. Ugh, it just came shooting out all my, uh, so gross. And he didn't wash his hands. He didn't even like wipe it off. I don't know if that hand sanitizer is. Yeah. He just like goes on to his little adventure. Like, wash your hands, bro. <laughs> He's an elf. They don't need to. They're magical. <laughs> oh, speaking of magical, let's move on to best scene. Uh, you guys have mentioned been mentioning it all throughout. It's absolutely beautiful cinematography. There's a lot of scenes, um, obviously, that I think were purposeful for moving the story forward and just introducing characters or introducing storylines. Um, but there's also a lot of really cool scenes, in my opinion. Kate, was there anything um, that you particularly really liked while watching? Especially because we haven't established, Kate isn't really, she has watched Lord the first Lord of the Rings movie, but isn't super well established in this universe. So it's, re it's really going to be, it's been really interesting getting your perspective throughout this, Kate. Yeah, I was hoping I didn't sound like a total idiot on no, that. No, never. Uh, because <laughs> I don't know a ton about this world. Um, just watched the first movie and then kind of came into this with not knowing a ton. But I feel like this, since it's a new story, like before everything, um, with all these kind of new characters, it's easier to follow along. Um, so that's been really nice. So my favorite scene, though, was at the very end of episode one. When Galadriel is on the ship, she's headed to Valinor, which is elf heaven. Um, <laughs> I like how we're just, just calling it elf heaven and we're just all like, yeah, yeah, elf heaven. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, I should probably find out like the real name. Um, but she, so she's getting the greatest like, honor there is to just go to this paradise and kind of live, live out there in peace. Um, and she's just really, it seems she's really conflicted this whole time. She just really can't get away from this thought that she needs to go out and destroy Sauron. Um, so while we're watching all of this, we're cutting between different scenes where there's all these different races of people watching this fireball go through the sky. And so we're cutting back and forth. And then also there's voiceover from the very beginning scene um, with her and her brother kind of talking about um, how to find the light and like sometimes you have to find darkness before you find the light and it was just such a really cool scene putting all those different things together um, it was just very moving very well done and I think just really telling of her character because she ends up not going into the elf heaven and jumping off the ship and she's just kind of they put it there for a minute where she's just kind of in the water, treading water. It's dark. It's quiet. Um, it was just a really, really cool scene and just an awesome way to end the first episode. I was wondering, I was like, is she going to like swim all the way back to wherever, like however long? Okay. I was really interested in what, how that was going to end. Um, but yeah, and I also I really gonna grab the wheel and force everyone to, <laughs> yeah. to go to Elf Heaven and be like, we're going back. You'd like that, wouldn't you? I don't know why you think that she was trying to get people not to go they were trying to get her to go and right. he was trying to convince her to go yeah. and not the other way around like he yeah. could see that hesitancy and also I was actually really worried because obviously it focuses a lot on the dagger that she has that she took from her brother um while he passed and I thought she lost it while she was over but 
it's fine. She's got it good. Um, Noah, was there, was there any scene for you that particularly stood out? You know, I, I completely agree, Kate. And there, there was a few really cool ones, mostly with just kind of the scenics and seeing some of these um, cities uh, going to Kazadun, which is the other name for the Mines of Moria or the, the area above the Mines of Moria that we see, obviously, that's completely destroyed in, um, in the Fellowship of the Ring and seeing it in all of its glory uh, with the dwarves prospering is just really, really cool to see. But my favorite scene itself was what Kate was talking about, not necessarily the, the boat part, but when everyone is seeing the same thing um, in the sky, that was really, really cool. It reminded me a lot of in season two of Game of Thrones and, and the book Clash of Kings, which is the second Game of Thrones book, where they all see this red comet in the sky. And it's a theme uh, in that season where everyone's kind of looking up and they see it. And it it means a different thing. It's a different sort of omen to each character. Um, but it, it was kind of reminiscent of that for me, where they're all looking and, and seeing the same thing at the same time, which is pretty cool. Well, speaking of that, so I didn't really mention him, but I really liked Sadok, who is was, is a hardfoot, who was going through the book and seeing all these things and really trying to put things together. And he's trying not to worry everybody, but also seeing every, like seeing all these signs and he's like, oh, this is not good. And he talks about how the skies are different. So I really, I really liked that whole thing coming together. Yeah. Um, Brad, you're, you're nodding your head. Were you, was that the scene for you that stood out or was there something no, else? You, like, I think, you know, it, it's, it's a great show. Like I really, really enjoyed like both of I, I thought it was like so well done. There wasn't like a bad scene. There wasn't like, a, okay, let's get out of this, this storyline kind of isn't moving. Like, so I really, I had, you know, Kate hit the nail on the head with that, that end scene of the first episode, closed so strong. And the other note I had was like Noah mentioned the Minds of Moria and like mm -hmm. getting to go down and seeing what that looked like before, like everything went to crap. And we, you know, we only hear the stories of how it was once this beautiful, you know, well-run city and, you know, it was a sight to behold. And, you know, we kind of just see it as like empty abandoned caverns by the time we get to Lord of the Rings. So like, getting to see that like they really set the bar high of what you know for me to get geeked out by that but seeing it, i was like man this looks amazing so I, yeah. I, that was a really cool scene and also for anybody that is watching or listening to this that was confused while watching the show where are the hobbits these people look like hobbits they're called harfoot uh why are they not called hobbits uh did a little research into that as well and it looks like since this takes place in the second age Hobbits didn't come around till the Third Age, which is around the time of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. So these are kind of the descendants of, um, of Hobbits, the ancestors of Hobbits called the Harfeet, Harfoot. Um, and similarly with wizards, that's wizards, Gandalf, all that, that comes in in the Third Age as well. So we, unless some liberties, liberties are taken by the showrunners, we probably won't be seeing um, wizards as well. But yeah, that's why we have Harfoot and not Hobbits. Okay, so really kind of the only ones that are consistent throughout, or at least second age and third age is people, elves, and dwarves so far, that's uh, what it seems. Yeah, and then obviously elves, orcs. And the yeah, elves and men were the first beings that were created on the earth by the gods and that came with, there's a whole, all the mythology, <laughs> Morgoth and all that stuff, but yes, exactly. Thank you, that's actually really helpful because I was thinking the whole time, I was like, wait, they're, they're hobbits? Wait, they're not hobbits? So that's actually really helpful. Um, but yeah, so like we mentioned, we started a new topic last episode, if you haven't gotten it, it is director's notes with Brad G. Fay. Um, because for anyone who doesn't know, Geeking You Shall Find is not only a podcast, 
but it started out as a documentary where we explore pop culture, we explore the positive effects that it has um, on this world and how it can help us find our own superheroes. So uh, being able to explore these things in this certain way, we've also kind of referenced how we've been able to see this in, in Rings of Power. But we're very lucky that we have the director of Geeky You Shall Find with us. So Brad, as a director, what kind of perspective can you give us or what kind of things have you seen in or did you see in Rings of Power that kind of gets your wheels spinning a little bit? Yeah, one of the things I, I really got quote unquote geeked out about is one of the things we explore in Geek and You Shall Find and in the series we're developing is kind of the different reoccurring motifs that we see in different mythologies and different fictional worlds. And, you know, we've talked about the Harfoot or Harfeet. Uh, in this episode a couple of times and you know it just was reminiscent of that motif of like the woodland creatures uh, so I just made a few notes about like other times we might have seen this and modern day examples we see like the Lorax and there's one that I really like that's going to be a really obscure reference but the Thundercats had the the peddlers or something that were these little woodland creatures that kind of lived for one day and it was like a really good episode of these little creatures that live in the woods and it lived one day and it kind of the message was like live each day to your fullest because for these creatures they have to live a lifetime within one day so I just like that kind of idea and you know Celtic mythology has the Tuatha de Danan who are these like kind of creatures that lives in in the forest and they were a big inspiration when George R. Martin created both the children of the forest and the white walkers he kind of took that race and split them into two different ones so, you know, and one other thing we see in Celtic mythology is the idea of trees with faces carved in them. Obviously that, again, is something we see in Game of Thrones, this idea of like worshiping the trees and create, carving out faces in them. We see that with the Starks uh, up north in Winterfell and kind of with the Ents in Lord of the Rings, it's a little bit more natural. These are trees that already have faces in them. So, you know, I just would say if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you're definitely going to see a lot, a lot of things that are were obvious inspirations of George R. R. Martin, but that's also because J.R. Tolkien was inspired a lot by Celtic mythology, which George R. R. Martin was also interested in. So those are some of the things that jumped out at me. Super interesting. And for anyone who does like Game of Thrones, um, we will we are working on a docuseries, Geek and You Shall Find, um, forging the world of fire and blood or ice and fire. Ice and fire. Ugh. Man, I almost get things right almost. So make sure you follow along with us because that will be coming out soon. Um, so thank you for that insight, Brad. Um, now, as we mentioned, there's been a lot of callbacks. There's been a lot of things that remind us of Lord of the Rings. Uh, so we want to take it to predictions and some callbacks. I'll start. So first of all, I really think uh, Poppy and Nori, they remind me of Sam and Frodo, uh, <laughs> where you kind of have the little bit of a worry wart with Poppy, who kind of, you know... Um, who kind of follows along with Nori, um, but they just really remind me of that. And obviously you have the Harfoot people things. Can, can you call them people? They're just Harfoots. They're not people. Harfoot. Harfoot. Harfoot things. Harfoot. Um, obviously remind me of Hobbits as well. Um, but Noah, let's start with you. What kind of, do you have any predictions or do you have any callbacks that reminded you of anything? It, it's hard, man. So I guess um, my my one main prediction is we have um, the guy who we meet in, I want to say the second episode, Celebrimbor. Celebrimbor. He was the one that the High King of the Elves um, introduces to Elrond, and he wants Elrond's help creating something of 
great power. And it just seems, I don't know, he seems a little shady. I feel like I can't trust him. And like you think that on the surface, it's they want an elven weapon that can help. But I wouldn't be surprised like that the forces of evil are coming. They talk about it a lot in Lord of the Rings. And whether it's Sauron or one of his um, his cohorts, uh, they, they're they known to have shape-shifting abilities. And so I wouldn't be surprised if someone evil is there kind of looking like this guy. And, and maybe they even have a hand in creating these rings of power. It's not Sauron, who everyone knows is evil, creates these rings, gives it to everyone. Everyone's like, oh, cool. Like maybe if it's a gift that comes from the elves instead of from Sauron, or it looks like it's from the elves, uh, that could be what entices everyone to accept it and and think that there's nothing wrong with it. So I feel like something shady is going on with Kella Brimbor uh, and that whole plan. And kind of expanding on that in terms of just shape-shifting, uh, obviously there's a stranger that falls out of the sky. He doesn't speak in the same language as the Harfoot. Um, and he just displayed some really outlandish powers. And he's a big mystery of who this person is. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was maybe Sauron returning in a different body or something like that. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, you know, this is kind of just wild guesses, but that's what I got. That's what we do. Interesting. That's actually really interesting. That's a great call with him and possibly because we see the same thing with Saruman, right? Like everyone thinks he's a good elf. I mean, he's great friends. He's been friends with Gandalf forever. And then all of a sudden he goes and he's like, he has the white hand of, of Sauron on like, you know, his thing. So that is actually very interesting. And I he's would actually hand. really. He is the white hand. The white hand is him. the white hand of, yeah. But then it becomes, yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. You guys, it's a little late while we're recording. So I apologize. Um, no, but that's actually, that's fantastic call. Um, Kate, obviously I know that you don't really have a lot of things, right? Because you didn't really. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I don't have any callbacks really because I only watched the first movie. <laughs> um, I did have kind of a, a theory about this stranger, which echoes Noah's. Um, <clears throat> I thought maybe he was like some type of an early version of a wizard because they don't exist yet. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is the first wizard. Mm. So no idea though. That'd be cool. I like that. Brad? Uh, one callback, one, I don't know if I'd call it a theory, but something I'm going to keep an eye on. My callback, it was kind of cool when, you know, from Lord of the Rings, Gimli is like kind of, a, he's like super hyped to be taken like, Legolas like into the mines of Moria and he's like yo we're about to get crunk it's gonna be lit in here we're gonna be like pouring in beers and then they walk in and it's just like yeah there's no one here and I I, I kind of thought it was like I don't know if it was like an homage to that but when Elrond was walking with Celebimbor or whatever and you know he's like oh my god you wait till a hero's welcome we're about to get and they kind of get the door shut in their face so that was a cool little, I don't know if it was like an intentional, you know, I think it was probably intentional callback. But my question, I don't know if anyone on here knows this, but I was wondering, so obviously by the time we get to Lord of the Rings, there's a big beef between the dwarves and the elves. And we kind of see like, you know, Legolas and, you know, like they kind of patch that up a little bit between themselves. Do we know why there is like an existing beef? Because I'm like, is that what we're kind of seeing in the works is maybe creating this thing is what creates yes. that friction? Yes. So basically like the dwarves, they played a big role in trying to defend against evil um, and like the war and like, or like something that happened. I don't know if it's the war with Sauron particularly, but um, 
when they went back to their homes, like they found like they needed help um, to be able to like help defend them or things like that. And like the elves didn't come to their to their aid. So they were holding a grudge against them. It's basically, I don't have the details of it, but it's so that's happened already at this point. No, not okay. not okay. yet. Not yet. I thought it had two, and I thought that's why they had a thing, but really I think this is just more personal because he's saying, like, hey, to an elf, 20 years is a blink of an eye, but yeah. for me, I've lived a whole lifetime. Okay. Um, which I think a lot of us can relate, you know, when we have like some people in our lives that we think would like, you know, stay up to date with us or like, you know, things like that. So um, I actually really love, love that. And speaking of elves, I like how Elrond has a lot of what we see in Legolas of like, you know, the like really sly way of talking to people and saying things and really being able to make you think that it's your idea of what he wants to get from you, which I think is such a, an endearing thing for elves because obviously they don't do it in a malicious way. Um, so I really liked seeing that, those interactions too. Um, so for me too, and then so just kind of wrapping up this little section, unless anyone else has anything else that they would like to get off their chest about rings of power. Um, we end on a, on a cliff, we end on a cliffhanger when we see um, the king dwarf and, um, you know, the prince opening up things. They're being like, the elves have to know, like they know that's why they're coming wild and when they come, they open up this little box and this light shines on them. And what I'm thinking is, do you guys remember in Lord of the Rings, Galadriel actually, Galadriel actually gives Frodo a star so that he can light up, you know, the dark in the darkest yeah. times, like can light it up. I'm wondering if it's something like that, if it's not that star, if it's not something of that, or maybe even, um, you know how they also have like swords that light up when orcs are around or something like that. So um, that just kind of reminded me of, I'm not sure what it is, but that's my prediction. I think it's going to be something that is going to be a callback, obviously thousands or a call to thousands of years later um, in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, my, uh, little hot taker prediction I, I'm rethinking it now as you just made me think about something else but it was and correct me if I'm wrong but there was a scene in the um in the mines uh in Khazad-dûm when uh the the king of the dwarves I don't remember his name and um the the prince were talking and that's when they opened the box and they're like do you think they knew I don't did that happen with the elves too they both had boxes or are you mistaken with that I didn't see the elves having one. I just saw yeah. the dwarves. Oh, it was just, it was just the dwarves. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Then I was thinking if both of them had it, maybe they already have these rings and they just, and, you know, the rings of power kind of thing. And they're kind of jealous if other ones have it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, the uh, the star thing you're talking about, which is what Frodo used to light up the cave where, um, I want to say Aragog, but that's the uh, the spider in uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Shelob, Shelob, um, and and Sam used it to to get Shelob out of there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is one of the Cimmerils, which is the kind of light mm -hmm. of the world. So it uh, wouldn't be. So no, most likely not. But that's where the name the Silmarillion comes from. Is is ah. these that have the light of the world? Uh, so can they even like? So obviously they we don't see it, and they don't directly reference it. But could it be like, oh, that's um, well, no, because it's going to it's something that's going to play a part. So, so then obviously my prediction is wrong. But that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they could do with the right stuff. Like how much mm -hmm. wiggle room. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. really like reminiscent of a lot of the Marvel stuff. Of like, you know, yeah, we can't say mutants, but uh, you know, we can play sure. with this a little bit. Or you got quick, you know, Quicksilver. You can have him in this universe and him in this universe because he's kind of both in the comic books and well, this is mentioned in the yeah. appendices. Yeah, so. There's a lot of those kind of vibes. Um, you know, I'm sure they have all their, I'm sure Jeff Bezos has all his lawyers lined up to make mm -hmm. sure that they slip. 
Jesus. <laughs> Rich people got their lawyers. That's that's one thing. Not just yeah, the whole team of lawyers. Um, so before I already said this, but before we wrap it up, I would I will expand upon what Brad said as a fan, like seeing all these places that were in just such total, you know, decay and were ravaged by orcs throughout um, Middle Earth when we see it in Lord of the Rings, seeing it in its glory because a lot of it is referenced just really made me nerd out and really made me love it. And um, so really quick before we wrap up, I want to pose a question to you guys. If you had the chance to live anywhere that was introduced to us in the first few episodes of Rings of Power, um, where would it be? I'm going to start with Kate because it's such a mystery for you. I don't know where in the world you would ever go for Middle Earth. Really? <laughs> I want to live where the elves live. They live in the prettiest places. <laughs> And they're like such, and it's so funny because someone references like, can't be an elf because he's ugly. And so it's like, so not only do they live in like all these paradise, like they also have an elf heaven, which is like even better, but they're also like gorgeous people. Like they're okay. all beautiful. Like okay, they're so, yeah, they're like so regal. like articulate and well-spoken mm-hmm. and intelligent and yeah. They're I just, guess you better be if yeah. you're going to be thousands of years old and, uh, you know, sure. be semi, semi immortal. Noah, where would you live? Yeah, I mean, it's that's a no-brainer. It's the the elf land. It's called Linden, which is the city where they live in. It's um, in, in a quote. It serves between uh, it serves as the bridge between Middle Earth and Valinor, which is the blessed realms or elf heaven, as you guys like to call it. <laughs> Brad, you like to be the black sheep of this podcast. Do you have a different answer? No, I mean, honestly, on this one, I think we all agree. Like, I know one thing is I couldn't be a Harfoot because I don't like camping. And those those people are really roughing it out there in the trees with <laughs> their berries and stuff. So I'm, that, that is not enticing to me. You can't have a 50-pound a heater that you make Kate go <laughs> take down into the middle of the Grand Canyon? Yeah, I'm not built for camping. I'm not built for camping. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with the elves, too, on this one. All right. Well, I will agree with you with where the elves live, but it's going to be the elf land in uh, in Lord of the Rings that we don't quite see yet. Uh, Elrond hasn't made it quite yet, and I can't remember what it's called. Is it Rivendell? Rivendell. Thank you. Yeah. That's where I would well, live for sure. And I, I would was love to that appeared where I was like, does that count? I don't know if that has been shown yet. Uh, I would love that. But unless there's, is there anything else you guys would like to talk about? Get off your chest before we move on to what we're going to be covering in this upcoming episode. Oh, the last thing I'll say is that uh, the guy that plays Elrond, the actor that plays Elrond, mm-hmm. he also plays the young Ned Stark in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And coming later in the season, the, the actor that plays Benjen Stark uh, will also be uh, have a prominent role in, in this. So two mm-hmm. Game of Thrones alums uh, in this series. Ah, so maybe that's a foreshadowing. Maybe we'll see more Game of Thrones um, people throughout the series. They do like to pull. Usually when a, when a show or a movie pulls from Game of Thrones, they usually pull multiple. So yeah. maybe we'll see more. And speaking of that, uh, if anyone agrees with me, please let us know in the comments. I like the actor of Elrond. I think he's doing great. I just don't think he's a good fit for that character because he looks nothing like Elrond later. Um, I don't think you change that much even in thousands of years. Um, so that throws me off a little bit. I heard his name Elrond and it didn't even like, I was like, wait, this can't be the same Elrond that's Liv Tyler's dad in Lord of the Rings. Like no way. So I don't know. That just kind of threw me off a little bit. But with that, hopefully we haven't thrown you off with this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
next episode, which will be coming up this weekend sometime. So make sure you're tuning in. It's going to be back to House of the Dragon, episode three, second of his name, which as we know, there's going to be a lot here. So uh, we are so thankful for all of you guys tuning in with us. Please make sure to share, comment, um, subscribe to not only YouTube, if you're watching us in person, which thank you so much for looking at our mugs today. Um, but also please make sure to subscribe, comment, and like on all of your favorite streaming services. Make sure to follow us at Twitter at superhero faces, as well as on Facebook at superhero faces and superhero underscore faces on Instagram. We are so thankful for you guys tuning in. Please make sure to leave your thoughts in the comments, or if there's anything that you guys would like us to explore in an upcoming episode, we would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much. We'll see you right here next time for Geek and You Shall Find, the podcast. Bye. Bye.